Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of our Talent Intelligence Podcast. Joining me today is the president of Stratasys, Andreas Langfeld. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Nikki Patterson, the head of global growth here at Solutions Driven. Solutions Driven obviously are an international talent um, provider. You know, we fill roles across the STEM industries and um, you know, work on typically mid to, to senior appointments. I don't think I need to introduce Stratasys, one of the global leaders in 3D printing, additive manufacturing. Um, Formnext was last week, which is a very, very important time of year for, for the industry and I'm sure Stratasys. And um, Andy, would you like to maybe start off by saying what your overall thoughts were on, on, on the week last week? So there is a couple of thoughts. First of all, um, we, we saw it throughout this year so far that there is a, uh, a speeding out of the pandemic when it comes to business. So we see a very strong business recovery. And that was basically uh, reaching its highlight of the year with the Form Next exhibition last week, where we had our team present, uh, not, uh, not size-wise, not the same amount of people as usually, um, but still, a decent amount of Stratasys employees motivated to win customers. And we did actually see a good amount of traffic. So I was uh, surprised, you know, when you have low expectations, they can only be uh, overachieved, but they have been overachieved by a very good mix of visitors, but high quality meetings, uh, a couple of deals closed at the booth. Uh, that's what we, what we celebrate the most, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it is obvious that on the one hand, people are seeking the face-to-face -face again, if allowed by, by pandemic circumstances. So there may be phases where it's becoming less again, but that's where we have our digital routes to market to still stay connected online or via uh, webinars and so forth. So I think we, we now have a good mix to cope with whatever situation may come, but it was, it was good to see the traffic of prospects and customers last week. And it was also amazing to see the sparkle in the eyes of the people, you know, internal Stratasys people when they met again. Yeah. And uh, when they had a, a beer um, at the bar, all Corona uh, compliant, but uh, still they, they met, they had a chat, they spoke about family, not only online about the business. And, and that's just so super important for the team spirit. And you could feel it at the booth, uh, everyone super engaged. And uh, with the back, uh, with the portfolio that we have in the back now, the five technologies, uh, solutions that are addressing each and every single step across across the product development lifecycle, we can be proud, and we have shown that pride uh, with excitement and, um, as I said, the sparkle in the eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, you know, as a business, we have done well through COVID, and and I don't like saying that at, at times, but you know, you you realize what you can do digitally. You realize the how efficient you can be working from home. And you know, you have to work on very different strategies to keep the team motivated and aligned and feeling part of, of the family. But I myself have I've started to crave being back in the office. I'm in the office today, you know, and 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 for me I'm looking forward to planning visits to the States in, in Q1 and and back to Germany and and, and different things. So so for me I I had some new people starting last week and I didn't feel fair to go on a trip to, to Germany to, 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 to meet, but I will definitely be at the next one. That's for sure. I felt like I missed out, missed out last week. Yeah. So 
you know, as part of this podcast, we've had a lot of guests from SaaS, from software, high growth companies, startups, you know, with focuses on, you know, hiring, focuses on, you know, learning management, focuses on culture, diversity. And really, this is the first, you know, the first where we're focused on, I guess, the manufacturing industry. Now, I myself have been really keen and, and really the, the whole five years I've been at Solution Driven, 3D printing is always something that's caught my eye. It's something to me that is, you know, it's, it's manufacturing, but it's, it's technology, right? It's science. It, it kind of brings everything in, into one. Um, you've had a very interesting career and journey, you know, with Stratasys, you know, MakerBot back to Stratasys. And, and, and now, you know, as the president of Stratasys, an amazing role, right? And it would be good to just understand that journey and, and you know, even if you would, wouldn't mind quickly giving us a couple of minutes on, you know, what the last 10 years has been like for you. Uh, a very exciting ride. So I, I tell you a secret. When I um, when I took the first job at back then Object uh, before the merger with Stratasys, I was starting as a sales assistant. And um, before that, I went to university. I've been working in the U.S. for a startup. And um, I still remember my, my, because the salary was not so great when I started. And I still little, remember- A little, little bit better now, right? Just a little yeah. better now. Yeah, it, it improved a little bit though. But um, my, my mother said back then, you know, now you went to university uh, and, and gained some experience in work life and now you're taking this job. What the heck? So she was, she was a bit worried. And I said, uh, mom, don't worry, it will be fine. Now, 12 years later or 13 years later, I can say, yes, it is fine. But it's been, it's been exactly the, the experience that I was after. Um, it, it was clear to me that I want to um, lead people, that I want to run a business. But without all of the steps uh, through the basic sales support tasks, uh, there, there was a time where we didn't have anyone doing order fulfillment, like uh, entering orders into our ERP system. So I flew to Israel, I learned it from the team there, I went back and I plugged in orders into the system. I had the connection with the customers, with the, the reseller partners from that perspective. Then I went into other tasks and, and, and took my managerial roles and people leadership roles um, in, in smaller scale than in bigger scale. Then I uh, had a challenging time at MakerBot where we were facing a difficult time in the market uh, in terms of expectations versus reality. Um, you remember the hype where Obama spoke about 3D printing and everyone believed that uh, next year every person on earth will have a 3D printer at home. Didn't happen. Um, and, and then I had to uh, restructure and um, reorganize a little bit. So. Uh, also tough jobs uh, where where you maybe have to downsize uh, certain teams, but all of these experiences uh, are giving me now at least the comfort that I can I can deal with the complexity of the business. I can deal with the challenges that are ahead. Uh, you know, not only selling prototyping and talking about manufacturing, but finally selling into manufacturing. So that's, that's basically challenges that we have right now. And all of the steps I took in my career so far have helped me to, to be prepared. And I always told myself for each career step, because I believe there is a natural limit for every person. 
And okay. every time you get a promotion, you need to ask yourself, is this still under control or am I above my natural limit? Because if you're above the natural limit, you would be a poor boss leader in whatever function. So I am very sensitive to the feedback I'm getting from the people because they are the first to somehow let me feel that, okay, Andy, that's now a step too big. Um, but so far, I think I think it's under control. <laughs> it's interesting, right? I mean, and I've talked about this to, to lots of, you know, sales or go-to-market leaders, CROs in the past where, you know, that in most cases, especially SaaS companies, it's SDR, it's AE, it's, you know, sales director, it's VP of sales, and it's a very straight line. And, you know, I think the world, I think COVID's made people really, uh, you know, am I making an impact in what I'm doing here? Is there something else that I'm more passionate about? You know, where, where am I most suited? And I think people are evaluating themselves more than, than they ever have, evaluating their, their employee, employers um, and colleagues more so. Um, how do you know then? I mean, I guess I, I really like the way you said that, the natural limit. And I think people under you will quickly, you'll quickly know if you're not delivering for, for them. So how have you always managed to make sure you deliver for, for the, I guess, the people under you? Uh, first of all, you have to really uh, um, embrace that as one of your main tasks when leading people. You are working for the people, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, the the best salesperson I have in the team uh, is selling machines. It's not me. Um, although I, in my career I may have been selling machines, I would now still say that uh, this person is better than I've ever been. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think understanding that um, working for the people is part of the job, um, a big part of the job, and, and having this uh, emotional connection to the team. If you're not emotionally connected and you can tell by the look on someone's face that something is not sitting right or, or on the other hand, the person is happy and, and ready to perform, that, that's the secret because if a person is happy happy and you have bigger belief in that person you can also be a bit nasty and and be challenging and say you know this is not enough you can do much more but if you see that the person has some sort of a, a barrier to perform you i need to remove that barrier first of all and then i can judge yeah, um, yeah. but I, but i think that's that's the whole secret embracing it as part of the job to work for the people and, and having this emotional connectivity to the people and listening to their feedback. I, I, I still love the fact that when, and, and you know uh, the business, when people from my team are being contacted by headhunters, by competitors, they are coming to me and telling me, and they're asking me what I think. And I'm taking myself out of my current job and I said, okay, let's, let's review it. I mean, as your boss, I'm saying, no way, <laughs> you're not leaving. <laughs> You're going nowhere. But, but the fact that you are considering means that something is not right right now. And let's analyze that. And maybe the conclusion is that, uh, yeah, maybe you should leave and take the next step somewhere else. Uh, I, I'm open to those discussions because I'm not mixing it with uh, um, uh, rather the opposite. I, I think it's a sign of loyalty when you talk to the people first or to the employer first before you put them in front of made decisions. You know, a lot, especially on the sales side, you know, I heard a stat a few weeks ago that 30% of the global workforce has moved job in the last 18 months. And, and I know that, you know, we are having to work that little bit harder to 
entice top talent from from one company to 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 another. Um, some have that loyalty to the employer because they've been through the pandemic together. Others see that the grass is greener and are looking to capitalise. Right. Um, you know, I've always felt that having that open and honest relationship with your team, you know, they are if they're doing a good job and we're doing a good job, people are going to come for them. And I guess there's only so much you can do to make them want to stay as well, right? I think it's got to be got to be both sides. In terms of strategists, you know, I won't say who, but I've done a little bit of homework and and asked some people opinion of of yourself and and get the same answer quite quite a lot. You know, very charismatic. You know, very well networked. Um, gets on with everyone. You know, when he leaves a room, everyone's laughing and joking, and you know. Clearly, the culture that you're trying to build within the different teams and the dynamic, you know, is is super important to you. Have you found that difficult during the pandemic, where people are a bit more remote? It's been uh, it's been difficult, but it's uh, you know you, you need to find new ways of achieving the same goal because um, it, you know if it's the personal hack. That is making uh, people feel comfortable, and of course, that's not not possible. But uh, um, emotional connection can can happen uh, also remotely. So I think it's finding new ways, and and uh, it, it is hard work. I mean, when you have 100 and uh, close to 160 people, when you have uh, the transformation of the company, you're adding new technologies, you're focusing on polymer, you have uh, a lot of demand to catch. It's hard work to take the time and have the five-minute conversation with randomly employees across the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, but since since the pandemic, where there was less face-to-face uh, -face interaction, uh, that had to to get some additional weight. And you you have to remind yourself that this is this is the culture you want to live. So you need to do that effort. And I'm it's it's not that I'm negatively forcing myself. I enjoy it. Um, but if, if a person closes a deal, why why not picking up the phone and saying, hey, great, well done, and, and having a chat about whatever. So I think it's it's all about this being connected, being um, approachable. And um, as I always say, the, the biggest uh, um, treats for me in, in my team are respect and transparency. So transparency, um, first of all, respect, when you're respectful, um, it A means a lot and, and you can respect any function within the organization because everyone is contributing, everyone is working hard, um, uh, no matter what the deliverable is in the end. And if you mix that with um, the transparency, then you can say whatever it is, you can criticize, you can, you can punish, you can do whatever you want, but you're transparent, you're telling, okay, why do I feel happy or not happy about your performance? And if you do it in a respectful way, honoring um, the individual that you're talking to and the individual problems, the individual ambitions or, or, or the individual environment, then, uh, you know, nothing can actually go wrong. Um, and, yeah. um, and that's something you can do face to face or online. See, I found I totally agree. Love both of those those values. I think I've grown up with, you know, obviously in a, in a pro sport environment. You, it's always been quite transparent. If you're not doing a good job, you get told very quickly or you're sitting watching. Um, but for me, I've found in sport as I've got older and even in business, 
that transparency sometimes is tough for people to accept. And it's almost tougher to accept being remote. It's, you know, it's it's quite easy to hide behind a laptop and how are you feeling? Fine. Yep. Okay. And, and move on to the next one. Or you miss a target and you can go a little bit silent. If you're in a room full of people, it's tougher to, to hide. Um, so I've definitely heard a lot of leaders say it's been hard to be transparent and, and as challenging. So it's, it's, it's interesting to hear that that's almost stepped up a notch for, for you, but who wouldn't want the phone picked up to them, right? I think it's not related to the to to COVID or not. It's it's. I think transparency has an an issue of scale, because when when you have to be transparent about more and more topics to more and more people, you simply fail to accomplish. And and then the lack of being transparent about a, a specific topic may be perceived as you know you're not you're hiding or, or something. So there, there is a risk to it. Yeah. But the yep. people that know me is that uh, uh, who know me. They understand I'm not consciously hiding anything. I mean, of course, when I'm doing my my plans for next year, uh, not everyone is aware of everything. But when yeah, people yeah. approach me and want to know something, they get an honest and transparent reply, even if I may not disclose details. So <laughs> I like it. So you're talking about the plan for next year, and uh, you know, from everyone I know at Stratasys, there are always big plans for that year and 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 next year. Um, you know, what do you see as the biggest challenges in the market next year and the biggest opportunities? Um, that's a good question. The, the biggest, I mean, that there is some uncertainty. You, you don't know how uh, COVID will evolve, how quickly e-mobility will kick in in terms of uh, product development lifecycle, which is um, creating business in, in additive on the prototyping side, at least. So there is, there is some uncertainties and, and the challenge is to plan in a way that we are prepared for the growth opportunity that we can capture, mm -hmm. but not risking that we're now over-investing into people, into everything, and then we may fail to deliver due to macroeconomics. Because I'm fully convinced that if the market plays well, uh, plays up well, with um, the additional technologies and products that we have in our offering, with the roadmap that we have, with uh, the go-to-market enablement that we are driving together with the resellers that we have, uh, there is no doubt that there is huge growth opportunity. And the growth opportunity is across all of the segments we serve. There is still opportunity to grow in prototyping, classical design or functional prototyping. There is growth opportunity in uh, um, production enhancement uh, solutions like tooling jigs and fixtures. And there is definitely growth in uh, additive manufacturing of uh, products. So if you think about supply chain disruption, that for me is one of the biggest uh, uh, business drivers in the near future. We have Siemens Mobility as a customer, for example, who went from holding inventory to producing uh, spare parts for trams and trains on demand. And, and that's just a testimonial that there is also many, many more companies considering it because it's also touching on sustainability. If you don't ship yeah, spare parts yeah. across the globe with uh, trucks and ships and airplanes, um, it, it's positive carbon footprint. And then producing on demand, that is something that is being considered by many companies. Yeah, I mean, we just had COP26 in, in my home city you know, of, of Glasgow. And uh, clearly that is a, a huge thing for everyone. I, I think as well, top talent are now looking for companies that not only have good values, but are thinking that way uh, uh, as well. In terms, of, in terms of Q3, 
keeping, um, I, I guess I can, I'm starting to get a sense, you know, of how you retain top talent. Um, you know, what are, I guess, one or two of your main um, goals or, or how do you, how do, how do I best put this? What are, what are one or two of your main focuses to hire top talent? Like, what are the one or two things that really make top talent stand out to you and convince that you're hiring someone good? It, it's eventually it's simple. It needs to be a cultural fit, fit and uh, uh, hungry to create an impact. That, that's that's the whole secret. So I'm, if you want to call it like that, I'm praying every day that we have an intact culture in the organization. That on the one hand people feel happy, but they also are humble and appreciate what they have, because that's also nowadays not quite common. Uh, we, we are in a in a complaining. Um, uh, um, culture some, yeah. somehow, and um, so point. people that are that are humble, that appreciate that uh, they, they can also be demanding and saying, "I need this and this uh, to do a better job," but I want to feel this this appetite, this hunger to create an impact. So if you have hungry people. Uh, in the additive manufacturing industry, based on the function, uh, you know, technical background is also very important. So you understand uh, what you are selling, because the classical car salesman profile is not working anymore in additive. It used to work yep. seven yep. years back, but not today anymore. Uh, so I need, um, if we're talking sales, uh, technical savvy people that can can do everything by themselves, print the benchmark, talk about the solution, talk about the ROI and the value prop for the customer. And sell the machine in, in good uh, with good uh, commercial negotiation skills. But for all of the people that I have in my team across all of the functions, it needs to be the the cultural fit um, where I'm also after this this certain positivity, you know, uh, um, being able to influence people around you in a positive way rather than being the complaining duck who's dragging everyone down. That's what I hate the most. So if I if I could, I would uh, uh, delete um, the ability to be a complaining duck. And again, you know, obviously I've, I'm coming from a from a sales side mostly here as well. But but it's not something people do say often, and I think probably think it. You know, I think there's a humble is is, is a good one, but appreciative is 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 not something I, I hear a lot. You know, I think people are always. I'm looking for someone to be curious and I want somebody to ask tons of questions, you know, appreciating what you have and, and have been a positive influence. Uh, I like that a lot. So again, I hear a lot about how you motivate the team to, to go and do a good job. Obviously hiring well plays a part in that and, and rewarding people. Compensation plays a, a big part of that. But do you have any tricks on how to motivate the team to go and stretch themselves? It's going back to the same the same treats. It's the, the, the emotional connectivity. When you feel uh, being part of a team, you are motivated to deliver for the team. And um, it's you know what I learned because I'm I'm by DNA I'm more a nice person uh, uh, rather than a challenging person. So I, I I had to learn and still have to learn to be more and more challenging with the people. And I, I made my progress, uh, don't worry, but uh, the, the, it could still be improved. But it, it's it, if, if you are a person and you want to grow in your career, you also need someone who's challenging you and developing you. 
And it doesn't need to have the fancy development programs and uh, uh, a whole bunch of fuzz and self-assessments around it. It's more about how do you uh, debrief and do a lessons learned with the people. And it, it's not necessarily that I know the answer and I can tell them how to do a better job next time. But the conversation around it is creating this culture that, um, yes, it was a great deal, but next time we could make it bigger. Or now we lost an opportunity, next time we're not going to lose again. And if you if you create this like as a, um, a dual or mutual experience, let's debrief, let's do lesson learned, and we both learn here. It's not that anyone knows better than the other. I, I think that's also creating this... Um, this feeling of less pressure, that it's not someone finger pointing, but it's really the, the culture of continuous improvement. And that's important. And that's why you, why you need to challenge people to debrief, not challenge in a way that what you did here and there, there that sucks and never do it again, or I punish yeah. you. But it's challenge, you know, we're not there yet. It was good, but we could do better. It was not good and we need to fix it. And I think that's, you know, you could look at the whole 3D printing additive man manufacturing industry, right, and say continuous improvement is what it's all about. You know, it's, it's pretty much how you've ended up here. I think for us, we work in an industry that's very challenging, lots of competitors, and, you know, you need to be on your A game and deliver time and time and time and time again. You know, unfortunately, our team do that, but we're even in times of success, it's evaluating, well, why did I have success there? Where are the points that it could have went wrong? And how do we, for example, get to learn Andy more and what Andy's looking for and the strategist team and to make a better hire next time? And, and it certainly sounds like that, that you're doing that at, at Stratasys. So a couple of quick fire questions to, to finish. Um, okay. What is the biggest success of your career so far? Biggest success of my career? I, I would say there is two outstanding sales deals. Um, both uh, I don't I cannot disclose the the logos, but both above one million dollar in in size, and that's not so common uh, in in the additive manufacturing industry when you look at our ASPs. So if you know if one machine is two million, then it, it wouldn't be such a big deal, <laughs> but yeah. it was um, multiple units uh, directly involved in those driving towards closure, applying some nice tricks, uh, how to put it uh, as a fact. As an example, you know, when the customer is not yet decided whether uh, to order or not, you invite them, you make a handshake picture and <laughs> all of a sudden decision is made. So <laughs> stuff like this, that was, was pretty cool. Um, but there is also the, the little ones I, um, and, and I'm proud actually that I, I still hired more people in my career than I fired. Um, Good one. And, and that's actually, I cannot tell you how many people I hired, but I can tell you exactly how many I fired or, or had fired is, is the wrong word, how many I had to let go for various reasons. And that's a painful number that I always want to have in my mind. And I always want to... Uh, uh, it's not a success, but, I, but what I see as a success in terms of my leadership um, execution is that when we let go people, I want to be personally involved and offer my face to the person to yell at. Because as the person who's, who's leaving, you need to have a, a ventile to get rid of your emotions. 
Yeah. And if yeah. you do it like a paperwork and, and like a numbers game uh, where someone is entering the room and just handing a paper, I don't think it's fair. So that's why I have this number in mind. I'm not saying that it's a success, but I um, uh, celebrate the fact that I'm still sticking to this rule because it's, it's crucial for culture. Awesome. And as, as someone that hopes to work with you a lot on the recruiting side, you know, that really protects your 12-month guarantee as well, knowing that you don't fire very often. So that's good to know. Um, yeah. Is there any, um, any one moment in your career that stands out as the biggest lesson you've learned? The biggest lesson I've learned. So it could have been a moment of no, no, something yeah, didn't go well. You make me feel like I'm in a job interview because that's the classical <laughs> question, right? So I, I've, I've learned um, from my, my MakerBot experience um, when, you, yeah, when you enter a responsibility as a general manager, you need to do a lot of compliance checks. Um, and I haven't done all of them, which created some surprises. So there was no, no big drama in terms of uh, um, legal liabilities, but there was some financial impact that I was not aware of. And um, so I'm, I'm now better in doing my homework before I take over any business. And then last one would be, what's an interesting fact that people wouldn't necessarily know about Andy Langfield? I think I'm too boring for any interesting facts, but um, I'm 40 years old and I'm, is it interesting? I'm still playing soccer once in a while and I hate it. You know, you may be able to, to testify as a soccer player, you hate to run without a ball. And I found my passion of running um, beginning of COVID actually because I'm not forcing myself anymore or pressuring myself. So I'm just running for, you know, being outside and uh, um, completely detaching my brain from work. But it's usually the time where I think most about work because <laughs> all of a sudden it's there. But I, I found passion in, uh, in doing a, such a boring thing like running and now I do it uh, three to four times a week. So I think, and I, I think that's really important, right? Because for me, Last year, I'll be very honest, you know, I probably worked too much and similar again this year, you know, I said to myself, I'll take some time off for a summer vacation that didn't happen due to, to COVID and I'll do it later in the year and you don't get to it and then you hire and there's always something else you can pour yourself into and, you know, for me, sport or soccer is that, that one fix where you can completely switch off. And I do a little running, running myself, and and like you, that's typically the time you're putting your go-to-market strategy in place for, for yeah. next year. So, um, so if anyone sees Andy running, don't uh, don't stop him. He's in the middle of planning his next million-pound deal. Exactly. <laughs> Andy, you've been a, a great guest. Thank you for for answering some of these questions, and I look forward to sharing this with with our network very very soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. My pleasure.